way. And uh, they're fixing to cross the Jordan where I'm going to read this morning. But the country boy said going to cross Jordan. So I don't know whether you want to call it Jordan or Jordan or Joshua or Joshua. And that don't really make no difference to me and we won't split no hires off that. But we want to go to the third chapter and I want to use a little verse in the third chapter as our text. I pray that the Lord might bless you, touch you, move upon you. When you find your place, let's stand and reverence the reading of the Word of God, not to me. The Bible said in Joshua chapter number 3, verse number 1, And Joshua rose early in the morning. Y'all are to take up his habits. And they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. Now, some folks are passing out, but these are going to pass over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. They commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. In other words, you don't move till you see God move, and that's what the covenant of the Lord is. It's a representative here and a type of the presence of God. Now, we're in the sixth book of your Bible, and we're looking at a different change of time. Moses has died. God buries his workmen, but his work goes on. And he's picked out one by the name of Joshua. You're standing, so I won't keep you standing. Let's read on. Verse 4. Yet there shall be a space between you and it. There's always a space between us and God, ain't there? About 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it that you may know the way by which you must go. Here's my text. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. You're fixing to go in a direction that you've never been in. And I say that to every person in this building today. We're not, we've never passed this way heretofore. Verse 5, And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. They took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I bring begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, give us wisdom and understanding. Enlighten our minds. Open our understanding that we might comprehend what you'd have us to say. 
May we not add anything to it nor take anything away from what you want us to say. Lord, may we not mix our own feelings or, uh, Lord, uh, philosophies. But may we declare the Word of God. May we help these people today. Strengthen and encourage and open their minds of understanding too as well. That we might not only hear, but God, we may receive and then apply what we hear today to our heart. That we might walk out of this building saying it's been good to bend down to the house of God. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've never seen what I'm seeing today. Never heard what I'm hearing today. And I've never experienced what I'm experiencing today. And I believe you'd say the same thing. These Israelites had just left out of something. Well, hadn't just left out. It had been a while. They'd been in Egyptian bondage for 430 years under Pharaoh in Egypt. And it wasn't until they got to crying and praying and seeking the face of God that God heard their cry and sent them a deliverer by the name of Moses. Moses, the man of God, the meekest man on the earth, went down. He wasn't a really highly educated man. He couldn't even speak plain. And God don't have to have the fanciest. He just has to have somebody. Amen. So you ought to qualify. And he sent Moses to Egypt to get the people out, and he brought them out. And this is not something brand new in Joshua chapter number 3. They faced another bigger body of water than the Jordan. And God told them through Moses, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And they crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground. And for 40 years, which it could have took 11 days to got to where God wanted him to be. But for 40 years they wandered around like a bunch of chickens with their heads cut off. Not knowing what in the world to do. And giving the man of God trouble. Because they couldn't get it in their understanding. Finally God takes the man of God, Moses. We will cut the story short. You can read it when you get home. And he raises up one by the name of Joshua who started with Moses, by the way, and put him in charge. These Israelites are fixing to face something they never faced in a long time. Some of them, well, some of them never faced it. There weren't many left that crossed over the Red Sea. God buried them. Because they rebelled, God raised up another crowd, and He killed those as 20 years old and un- over, uh, and, and kept those as 20 years and under. And raised him up another crowd except Caleb and Joshua and Moses and those. So Joshua was one that was original. He had been with it and in it all the way. So now he's telling the Israelites, now what we're going to do is we're going to face that river right down there called the Jordan. And let's read on a little bit. I'll read this for the sake of time. He said in verse number 8, 
Let's go back and look at it. In verse number 8, it said, And thou shalt command the priest that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of the Jordan, ye shall... What's that? Stand still in Jordan. Sometimes we have to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Sometimes we have to stand still. Sometimes we've got to move. Stand still in Jordan. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby you know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you, look at these, the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. And all the other eyes didn't say that. I sometimes feel like we're encamped with this crowd. They're our enemy. I go on a little further and he said in verse 11, Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passeth over before you in Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe of man. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. Here's the water flowing down the river. All of a sudden it just stops, and a wall of water is right there. Amen. You understand? You said impossible not if you've got a God like they got and we do have and there's a wall of water matter of fact the Red Sea was the same way you had a wall of water on both sides and they didn't even have mud between their toes and they come on the other side God took care of them and he said when these priests put their feet in the water the water is going to stop and it did you read on and it came to pass when the people removed from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priest bearing the ark of the covenant before the people and as they that bear the ark were come under the Jordan and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zeratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. Now let's go back and look at something. Joshua said, what I want you to do is you're going to fix and to do something that you've never done before. You've never been where we are. They could have been, but they weren't. Now they're going to cross a Jordan River and get into what God called the land of Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey. And I want to use this, this message as an application. Unless something drastically changes and God intervenes, on January the 20th we're going to put somebody in the White House that I did not vote for. And we're going to have to say we're, we've never come here to four. 
It's always in my mind a problem when somebody's taking office when I don't know what they believe and have question marks about what they might do. But when they go into office telling you what they're going to do and you know they're going to do it, that makes me kind of get uneasy in my stomach. It makes my mind begin to wonder. It makes my heart begin to not fail, but question. And I say we're fixing to go somewhere we've never been before. And I want to give you a challenge this morning on what you need to be doing. I believe the same thing it Joshua used for the people of God, even though they were supposed to go to something better, we're going to something worse. Somebody said, I don't believe all that. Well, you believe what you want to. A lot of people don't believe that. But I guarantee you in six months or a year from now, people are going to say, I wouldn't believe that would have happened. So I'm telling you what he told them in verse number 5. Of chapter number one, or chapter number three, Joshua told them something that they must do. And Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves. That word sanctifies means set yourself apart. You need this morning to take stock of where you are spiritually. And not let the devil who's the roaring lion seeking whom he may devour Blow his ugly, dirty, nasty breath on you and scare you to death. And take your stand for the Lord God. Somebody said, I just take it as it comes. That's why we're where we are. You take it as it comes. And you're going to have to pay the consequences down the road. We're We're where we've never been. They say that. 2021 is the year they've got planned and set in days past. And you have to stay this out. And I've been preached this before. You know, they call it the Great Reset. The Great. You know what a reset button is? Any of y'all ever blowed a fuse or and uh, you plugged in something that's shorted and it said, Pleep. You know what you got to do? You got to flip the breaker back on. But they used to have what they call a reset button. And some things still have a reset. You mash that little reset. You know what that does? It starts it over again. Now I want to tell you. You say you're thinking about a reset? Yeah, I am. The great reset that I'm thinking about is when the Lord Himself comes. to gets the saints of God. And that's the great reset for the church. And I'm headed for that. Uh, you can't get no better reset than that to wake up one day in glory. Leave a veil of sin and sorrow and tears and heartaches and pains and persecutions and headaches. Amen. I better hush. Some of you want to get a load up now. Listen. The great reset for the child again. But that's not what they're talking about. They're saying, and I'm talking about the leaders around the country, it's the elite, what they call themselves, the elite. The elite says by year 2030, you won't own anything. 
You want to have a house. You want to have a car. Cook stove. Amen. One of the first things that they're going to do is make sure you have health care that they can't afford. And you can't afford. Take your taxes sky high again. We're and they're going to set and settle the economy. Get the economy straightened out. I really believe all that, don't you? <laughs> Not even that much. Right. We're where we are because of them. Amen. If you don't know who them are, study it out. No, I'm calling on names, and I'm preaching this now because I may not get to preach this kind of sermon too much longer. Not long ago, I was reading, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago or three, I was reading where in China they came to the house churches, some of the house churches, and put up their flag, and, and, uh, and of course they're under communism. And, uh, Khrushchev said he's going to take America without firing a shot, and he's kept his word. And they put the flag up for the country at the church houses, at the house churches, I say. And uh, people were grumbling and not liking that, and they beat them. And we're going to see, you said, we've never seen nothing like, we ain't never been here. But if what I see is going to happen, and it does what they say is going to happen, Amen. You're going to be running around hugging trees and. Amen. I know some of you look at that. We ain't going to do that. You'll be surprised what you'll do. That's right, right. Amen. You said, I'm not going to do this and I ain't going to. I heard somebody say that. I ain't taking that uh, shot, that vaccine. Because uh, it's kind of a mark of the beast. I don't believe it's the mark of the beast. But I believe it's pointing in that direction. I ain't taking it. Yeah, but when you go to the grocery store and they said, you can't come in here unless you've got a record that you took it. When you go to Walmart and they won't let you buy nothing there. Or you go to Amazon. Well, others will be there. And Amazon, you can't buy from Amazon. What are you going to do then? So the government won't do it. But the devil get his force done by his own hand and by his people. And the government's behind it, but they won't you won't never know what you think somebody else is. That's how we got where we are. They've hoodwinked us, put us to sleep and deceived us. Now what did Joshua say? And I'll give you some other things here in just a minute. Now some folks don't like this kind of preaching, but that's all right. Amen. Uh these other preachers and other churches you could go to today wouldn't preach all this, so you got your choice. Knowing the truth or playing around with it. Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves. What's this preacher going to say to you? First of all, I'm going to turn in my Bible and I want you to turn with me to these verses. Chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians. I usually quote these But I found out it's better if you look at them. Ephesians chapter 6. I I preached on this just a few weeks ago. 
In Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 11, Joshua said, Sanctify yourselves in the Lord. Paul said in verse 11 of chapter 6 of Ephesians, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We've never been here before. What should we do since we've not been here before? Put on the whole armor of God. There's no armor for the backside. There's no retreating. You put on the whole armor of God and charge the devil. And face and get in the fight. Somebody said, I don't like fighting. Amen. I'm going to ask your husband or your wife when you leave if you do or not. Amen. Fight the devil. Fight the good fight of faith. Now turn to Matthew chapter number 6. We're reading these scriptures and I want to show you what God wants us to do in this evil hour. We are in an evil hour. Ah, oh, preacher, everything's looking good to me. You know what? You're blind. Matthew six thirty-three and 34. The Bible said in 6.33, and he's speaking to his disciples here, he says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. But seek ye what? First the kingdom of God. We ought to seek the things of God first. Put on the whole armor of God. Secondly, seek the Lord with all your heart and all your soul. And uh, look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I didn't put these in order so you can blame me if you want to, but that's good. You need to learn where all these books are anyhow. Romans 12. And verse 12, Paul said, put on the whole armor of God. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And Paul says in chapter 12 in verse number, uh, I said 12, is verse 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, talking to the saints of God, by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. And what kind of living sacrifice is that? Holy, acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Put on the whole armor of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then present your bodies a living sacrifice. This is basically what Joshua was telling the people of God. And I'm saying, we've never been here before. You get better get prepared. Get ready for the ride. He said, no, all this stuff that you say may not happen. Well, hallelujah. Amen. You're going to be a better servant if you do these things. Go to the book of Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16. I'll use Old and New Testament. I believe all the Word of God's for us. Some applies to different people, but they'll... 
it's all applications to us. If it's not application, it's for history and knowledge. Jeremiah 6. Still hear the pages rattling, I'll wait. Jeremiah 6 and verse number 16. Says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. You need to walk, and you'll find the old paths and stick with them. Is that good advice? We've never been here before. But what you want to do is put on the whole armor of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and present your body and stand in the old paths. Been good for me. I don't want to change anything. Amen. Except the way I've been looking at it. All right. Go with me to Ezekiel chapter 22. You got Isaiah, Jeremiah, and then Ezekiel. Just a little ways there from where you were. And Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse number 30. I love to hear the sound of them pages rattling. Amen. Somebody said, I don't really like to turn in the Word of God. Well, if you don't see it with your own... Amen. I could quote some of it, but what you need to do is see it. The Bible said in Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. And that's about where we are today. And I've seen what I've seen. Heard all them senators say it's going to take a stand and all that stuff. And guess what happened? They fizzled out. Got scared. Amen. When I see all the preachers trying to get in the pulpit, and most preachers are scared to preach the truth. Amen. Wimps. I said most of them are wimps, weasels, and womanizers. Amen. I don't want to be neither. Praise God. I want to take a stand for God. Look in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Now, I'm just randomly going through the Scriptures, but I could stay here all evening and give you verse after verse, chapter after chapter, on things that we need to do, and uh, it would all be good for us. In Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Solomon, give us, the man of wisdom, give us this Scripture. He said in chapter 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't try to run it your way. We've never been here before. Don't try to figure it out. You can't. Just do what I've told you to do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on what you have an understanding of. Your understanding could be wrong. Amen. You stay with God. Look at chapter 22 of the book of Matthew, please. Matthew 22. You say, I don't like this going back and forth in the Word of God. Amen. Don't say that loud. And I won't be saying anything else about it. 
Matthew 22, 37. Matthew 22, 37. I'm going to back up to verse 34 and read down. But the Pharisees, that's the religious crowds. They could dot the I's, cross the T's. They knew more about it than anybody else. They knowed how to dissect the law. They'd strain it a gnat and swallow a camel. They're concerned about the outside of the cup, or outside, and not the inside. They'd paint the sepulcher, and on the inside is full of dead men's bones. Pharisees. They were the religious crowd. They were the hypocrites. Jesus called them hypocrites. Knocked on doors before, and they said, too many hypocrites in church. I've heard that said many times. They ain't going to church. You mean you're going to let the hypocrites keep you from going to heaven? Amen. Probably got some hypocrites in here. Don't ask me to put my hands on you. Amen. Amen. And I'm not going to let you hinder me from trying to stay with God. The Pharisees. Then, when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence... Sadducees didn't believe in resurrection. And so the Pharisees really liked putting the Sadducees down. Isn't it amazing day uh, one denomination likes putting down another denomination? They do. And there's some cases that you need to do that. But I mean, I ain't in a war with nobody. The Bible said they were gathered together. Verse 35 said, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, Ask him a question, tempting him and saying, Now he didn't find he wasn't there to ask the question to find out. He was there to what? Trip him. Trip him up and tempt him, that's right. Amen. You'd be surprised that the people do that. Amen. Said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Now, we had never been here before. What would you suggest for me to do, preacher? Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, body. Amen. But look what he says. He adds on the top of that. He said, This is the first and great commandment. I'm going to sum them all up into this one. And then he goes on. He said, And the second is like unto it. And this is where everybody gets off the wagon. Here's where they fall off the train. He said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And he sums it up in verse 40. On these two commandments hang all, hang all the law and the prophets. Somebody said, i got to keep the Ten Commandments. Amen. You keep that one, and you won't have no trouble with the other nine. You love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, and body, and you won't be stealing your neighbor's stuff, running around with your neighbor's wife. Amen. Amen. You won't be you won't be cussing and carrying on. Yeah. Amen. You'll love God. Right. And that hardest one is, and I said this once a time before. I said, Lord, there's some things in the Bible is easy for me. Some things is hard for me. One of the hardest things I have sometimes, and I told the Lord this several times, and He's dealt with me, and it says. Love thy neighbor as thyself. And I say, Lord, you don't know my neighbor. (laughs) And one of the hardest things in the world is to love your neighbor as your 
yourself. But if you can't love your neighbors, you, you mess up. We've never been here before. And so we need to do these things. Do you believe that? Amen. I mentioned this in Sunday school, but the first time, the first, uh, they had a prayer and when they opened back up this year, the first one, and they got through, they said, uh, fellow uh, finished his prayer up and said, Amen or a woman. That's in America. Would you believe you never heard that? He didn't even know what amen meant. And people have been criticizing that and, and understand. But I'm saying, that's where we are. We've never been here before. I talked about, what was it, 40 to 50 million, or, yeah, 40 to 50 million abortions a year. We're going to have more of that, not less of it. The borders will be open more than we've ever seen them open because the new president, quote, quote, likes open borders. You know why they fought President Trump and trying to get the border wall up? Because they like open borders. And they're using the borders for to get their agenda through. Hey, by the way, I don't worry any of you. Do any of you, have you heard the news lately that they're going to try to impeach the President of the United States and he's only, what, got nine days left? How many hadn't heard that? Hadn't heard it. Huh? Oh, yeah. They're going to put that on the floor tomorrow and hope to get it started by what? Wednesday, I believe they said. Why are they doing that? They want him out of there. And I could tell you a whole lot more why I believe they want him out of there. And just keep your ears peeled. They want to destroy him. It reminds me of people that don't like a preacher for telling them the truth. It reminds me of Christ who came to this earth to die on the cross of Calvary. He came for that purpose, but the people rejected him and said, Away with him. Who in his right mind would say, I want Barabbas! You wouldn't do it, would you? No. I wouldn't think you would. But they did. Right. I'm not sure you wouldn't either. Amen. Right. I say by the grace of God I wouldn't. Right. When I look at all this and I see the higher taxes and the health care, and uh, we're headed to a one world monetary system. Yeah. I was listening to this just yesterday. And uh, they said, uh, you know, Money's not going to mean much anymore. Well, by the way, your money don't mean much now. I asked somebody, they said something about, I heard it on the radio, they said, uh, how, are you having trouble writing checks and putting 2021 on you? And the feller said, I don't write checks. Most of you in here don't write checks anymore. You may write one or two. I believe I write a couple a month, maybe. And that's just because I've been too lazy to online it. You with me? When you go to the grocery store, you don't have to have no money in your pocket. You put a card in. And I, I looked at this stuff and it called out, what, what is that little stuff? That they call it bit, bit, bitcoins. Bitcoins and people in it. And these people buys 
uh, stock in bitcoins. And I thought, that's useless. But they already got a monetary system. Your money, they're not going to get your money. You say, they're going, no, I ain't going to get your money. What they're going to mean is what you got in there ain't going to buy nothing. It, it, what you got won't produce. Any country, like America does, can keep printing money and keep printing money and keep printing money. Got nothing to back it up. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to have to reset somewhere. A one world religion. They're standing by the side trying to get off. That's coming. A one world religion. You said, you're going to be part of that? No, no, no. You said, you're not going to get involved? No, no. I'm going to be exit stage left. I'm leaving. You said, what are you going to do? Commit sideways or suicide? No, I'm waiting on a trumpet and the sound and the voice of the archangel. And I'm going out of here. I don't believe the church will be here in those things. I believe we'll see some... Well, I ain't hugging no trees either. I ain't. Well, you know what they say that they can. They want to get to the place where they control what you eat, where you go. They go know where you are. And most every one of us have got methods and means for them to do that. Because most folks in this building, we'll just take a little survey. Most folks in this building's got some type of. Uh, of iPhone or Android phone, smartphones. How many's got a smartphone of some kind? <laughs> Notice I raised my hand. I found out in my preaching days, the last few years, that I'm having to keep up with Twitter and Facebook and all that, and uh, YouTube. I'm having to my best. Do what I can to counteract all the false prophets and the nuts and the knotheads that's on them things that's giving out all kinds of junk that's against the Scripture. And I'm having to combat that. I'm not a Twitter person. I may look like it every once in a while, but I don't work Twitter. Facebook. I don't know Facebook. We've got churches and they've changed us. We've got churches that shut down in March of last year that have not opened up and we're coming almost to March again in a year's time. They're having service on Twitter. Now I have enough trouble getting you here. But I'm not in the business of preaching on Twitter. I mean, you're sitting at the house on Sunday morning chewing barbecue potato chips and drinking coffee and talking and listening to somebody else and get a word here every once in a while. I'd rather you be here getting a word every once in a while. Some of you are doing that now on me. Amen. I'm not for Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube and all them places to get all your spiritual. I believe we ought to go to the house of God. When I first started preaching, there wasn't many so-called what we have in today. The devil is in the business of getting everybody's mind twisted 
if He can make you believe something and you believe something and you believe something and you believe something and it's all different, He's got a a nice crowd. He likes that. Because He's caused division. And when there's division, you can't stand together. And He's got churches disrupted and lives torn all to pieces believing everything. He started off you know, the, I, I sometimes think about them getting the Bible out of out of schools and things, and that's a rat, bad thing. It really, really bad. But he works on two angles. He don't want you to have no Bible, no kind. But if you got to have one, he don't want you to have the right kind. And I run across something yesterday. And if you anybody in this building knows anything about this, I want to have a little conversation with you. I wish somebody had told me. Has anybody in this building ever heard of the Queen James Bible? Anybody? Raise your hand. Hallelujah! I'm glad you ain't heard it. Because I was going to deal with you because you hadn't told me. But I run across it. Got a website. It's called the Queen James Bible. I'm going to read you what I got. I've got a stack of papers about that thick on it. But here's what I want you to hear. The bad thing is, and this is what bothered me, I wish I had a longer foot and a double leg where I could kick myself. It was published in 2012. And you just now finding out about it. I just found out about it yesterday. This is what it says. The Queen James Bible is based. And I don't even like this. The King James Bible. Based on it. Matter of fact, if you want the truth, all of the translations that's up and down the world are based mainly on the King James Bible. And it's edited, edited, the King James has been edited to prevent homophobic misinterpretation. Now you know what it is? It's called a gay Bible. Now let me read you some things. Now I want you to know, listen, I did, I'm glad you won't find this out tomorrow without already hearing it today. And then you would have to look at me and say, I wish my preacher told me this. Your preacher had already told you about it if he'd known about it. And here's what they say. Homosexuality was first mentioned in the Bible in 1946 in the Revised Standard Version. There is no mention of or reference to homosexuality in any Bible prior to this. Only interpretations have been made. Now my Bible... It don't say the word homosexuality, but it says it's an abomination for a man to lay with a man and it's an abomination for a woman to lay with a woman. That's homosexuality. Anti-LGBT Bible interpretations commonly cite, commonly cite only eight verses in the Bible. How many do you need to know it's wrong? How many times does God have to say it? 
the way they're raising kids in these days, the, the, Junior, I'm going to whip you. Junior, I'm going to whip you. Five minutes later. Junior, I'm going to whip you. Fifteen minutes later. Junior, I'm going to whip you. And Junior goes to bed at night and Junior ain't never got a whooping. <laughs> now God don't work like that. Speaks at one time is real. Anti-LGBT Bible interpretations commonly cite only eight verses in the Bible that they interpret no homosexuality and they interpret no uh, interpret to mean homosexuality is a sin. Eight verses in the in a book of thousands. That's what they say. The Queen James Bible. Now y'all got that in your Q U E E N. I didn't say King. I'm saying Queen. Don't go out and lie on me and say he's tearing up the King James Bible. No, sir. I preach out of it. The Queen James Bible seeks to resolve interpretive ambiguity. Boy, I like all these big words. They love them. That's how they trick you. Us low ignoramuses here from North Georgia, we don't know what all them ambiguity words are. <laughs> now, some of you may. And, you know, most the devil knows that you ain't going to go look it up anyhow. Interpretive ambiguity in the Bible as it pertains to homosexuality. We edited those eight verses in a way that makes homophobic interpretations impossible. Who is Queen James? That's what they're saying. The King James Bible is the most popular Bible of all time. They're saying this. They're right. And arguably the most important English language document of all time. It is the brainchild and namesake of King James I who wanted an English language Bible that all could own and read. The KJV, as it is called, has been in print for over 400 years and has brought more people to Christ than any other Bible. They tell you that, any Bible translation. Commonly known to biographers, but often surprising to most Christians, King James I was a well-known bisexual. I get that. I hear that all the time. And they said... Though he did marry a woman, his many gay relationships were so well known that amongst some of his friends in court, he was known as Queen James. It is his great debt and honor that we name the into his great in his great uh, debt and honor that we name the Queen James Bible. So, can I tell you that Queen uh, Queen that King James did not write it? He just gave the translators the right to do it. A fabulous Bible, they say. A QJB is a big, fabulous Bible. It is printed and bound in the United States on thick, high-quality paper in a beautiful, readable typeface. It is the perfect Bible for ceremony, for study, for sermon, for gift-giving, or simply to put on display in the home or the church. Well, the devil lifts it, don't he? You can't choose your sexuality, they say, but you can choose Jesus. Now, you can choose a Bible, too. That's heretical, I'll tell you right now. Now, if you don't believe I'm saying it, and tell you, go home and look it up. You'll get you a stack of paper like that. When we see all that today and look at it, brother, I want you to know 
We're living in the book of Romans chapter 1. And God turns them over to reprobate. God hates homosexuality. We've allowed all this stuff. I don't know. I guess my time's done got up, but I ain't through. Uh, sometimes I get through before you do. And sometimes you get through before I do. But listen. We're living in a dark day. And we we need to watch what we do. And how well you... Joshua said, you've never been here to before. We start in a brand new year, and usually at the first of the year I preach sermons like what I'm preaching now to challenge you for the rest of the year. And if there's ever been a time, it's now that you need to put your Bible not under your arms, but in your heart. Hide it in your heart that you won't sin against God and stand up and be counted in an hour and a day when nobody wants to be counted anymore. You're not going to be well thought of. Neither will I. But I propose in your heart like Daniel did not to be defiled with the king's meat nor drink the king's wine. And I propose this morning standing here in this pulpit that I want to stay true to God. When the trumpet sounds, I want to be busy. Amen. There's not enough hours in a day for me to accomplish what I need to accomplish. I'll just have to quit right there and try to finish it up tonight. How about that? Amen. Heads bowed.